Hey there all you cool cats and kittens and welcome back to another episode of Best in Sass, where each week we take you behind the scenes for conversations with some of Silicon Valley's best and brightest operators and investors. Crack a beer, get comfortable, and join us on our quest to find the patterns and playbooks that accelerate the sprint to 10 million of that good stuff, that repeatable stuff, that stuff we call ARR. So today, really excited to welcome Chris Combs to the show. Uh, Chris is a technology entrepreneur, um, one of the founders of Link Squares, which is a hyper growth company right now in the contracts space. Uh, he has over 10 years experience working in enterprise startups and uh, has sold has sold his first startup back, uh, how many years ago was that, Chris? Uh, that's been probably 10 plus years ago now. Wow. All right. So excited to have you on the show. Welcome. And uh, I'd love to start you know, digging into, you had this early success and, you know, then 10 years later, now you're onto your next big project and you're, you guys are starting to grow really quickly. So I'm curious, you know, what, what lessons were learned in that first company that are informing decisions that you've made along your current journey with Link Squares? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, definitely been, uh, you know, since I graduated college, I've been, um, you know, working sort of, at the intersection of technology and, and startups and, and, uh, I've experienced a, a lot of different, um, you know, successes and ups and downs and, and, you know, I think all important learnings along the way. Um, you know, when we started, uh, that company was called you closer, uh, started that, um, around 2010 and, and worked on it for a few years and, um, you know, had an awesome group of angel investors that, uh, we worked with, um, and, uh, ultimately, you know, didn't really find product market fit and, and ultimately, you know, got a handful of customers, but, but probably didn't double down on the, the things that were working best and sort of shedding the things that weren't working, um, was probably one of my biggest takeaways in hindsight now, um, was to, you know, we should have continued to double down on the things that were working really well. And, and, um, you know, and so we kind of got spread thin and, and one of our largest customers was actually a big supporter of the company. Um, you know, had some, their own plans with the platform we were building around document management, um, in the real estate space. And so, um, you know, it kind of came down to it that, um, what they wanted to do and and what we sort of believed was the big opportunity was going to be, uh, you know, too different. And so ultimately, they ended up just acquiring the asset, uh, the platform themselves, so they could continue to customize it for what they needed, um, which kind of gave us an opportunity to return some capital and, and live to fight another day, as I say. Um, um, and, you know, took away a lot of good learnings and and it definitely was formative in, uh, you know, my future endeavors. So that's really interesting. I, I feel like a, a lot of the time there are these outcomes, just like you described that, um, they can be so foundational, even though they're not, you know, the, the, the classic Silicon Valley, like knock it out of the park, retire in your yacht type of story, right. but they can set the stage for future stories, right? Like, um, so how long did it take you? I'm curious, like, did, did you need to recover after that? Yeah, I've talked to a lot of founders, uh, myself included, who, you, you know, go through some sort of an acquisition 
and it's exhausting and you've just grinded it out with this, you know, your baby basically. Um, were you ready to go right back at it right away or, or what was that process like for you? Yeah, it, 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 I don't know if I needed a break or rest, but I did end up taking some time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. I think ultimately the biggest step that I took was moving to a bigger market in Boston. Um, you know, I was originally based in the Midwest uh, in Louisville, Kentucky and, and, um, you know, sort of believe that, um, I wanted to, uh, spend some more time in a larger market, uh, especially a tech market. Um, and, uh, that was a big, uh, process, uh, ultimately kind of spent some time in San Francisco and, and, uh, with some, you know, friends and mentors there and, and, um, you know, ultimately, um, you know, had a chance trip to Boston, uh, where I knew some folks and, and, um, you know, that was always, it, it was actually my first time going to Boston at the time. And, and, uh, the, my first night in town, the Sox won the world series <laughs> in, um, 2013. Wow. So that was That's my very first night. Exactly. Yeah. That was my very first night in Boston. Um, and, uh, so, uh, definitely kind of come that combined with, um, the folks that I knew and, and the fact that, um, the company that I was, uh, you know, moving up there to work for was a company that I knew the founder of and, um, you know, had a little bit of context. So I wasn't just coming in to the city completely cold. Um, and so those couple things were really, um, helpful to, to sort of get over the, um, so, so that whole process of just like kind of what we're both talking about, which is like a little bit of a reset after going through, you know, a startup, um, took a little while, took a handful of months to kind of get going and then, um, you know, sort of moved to Boston and got what I call my hands on MBA. Um, you know, I, I think for entrepreneurs, yes. Yeah. Got it. Um, I think for entrepreneurs, it's, you know, it's, if you're really serious about being an entrepreneur, it's important to kind of, um, spend some time at, at companies that, are kind of in the later stages, kind of B, C round funded companies. Um, because the, the thing that I learned was what success looked like, um, at that company and, uh, having kind of done my first startup, I didn't really know what I was, what the phases and stages were. So I really, it was hard to kind of move it forward. Um, but at Backupify, I was able to see kind of what a C round, funded company of, you know, 75, hundred folks looks like and the different departments, how they work together and what, uh, you know, how the whole, uh, combination of things sort of made it successful. And so having that point of reference and those data points was, uh, you know, very helpful for the next time that, you know, I sort of struck out and, and did another startup. And it sounds like, I mean, you met Vishal, your co-founder at Backupify as well, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. So um, almost all of the executive team at Link Squares now, I previously worked with at Backupify. Um, and Vishal was one of the first people I met there. Um, and uh, he invited me to a Patriots game. Uh, I had been to a couple NFL games uh, before, but definitely uh, told him that I had a bucket list uh, for sports and, uh, you know, being in kind of a, 
a bigger city with uh, pro teams that uh, some games I wanted to go to. So he took me to a, a Patriots game um, and uh, we kind of hit it off from there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So fun. now there, there are two reasons to join a later stage company. One, see what the blueprint looks like. Two, meet your entire future executive team. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and uh, building that network of folks that um, you want to kind of work with um, in your future is, is important. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think those later stage companies, um, there's enough going on that uh, there's a lot to learn and there's also a lot of people to meet. So lots of benefits to that. Were there any things that you observed while you were there that were contrarian to your way of thinking about how a startup would scale, you know, like in your mind when you were running your first company and, you know, you had in your brain, like, okay, this is what, this is what the next step looks like. This is what we need to do. And then you, you joined Backupify and you were just seeing it all play out. Like, was any of that different? Yeah, I think that uh, there was a ton of it that was contrarian and, and uh, things that sort of caused me to rethink, um, you know, how I'd been building companies previously um, and the opportunity to really see experts like the executives on that team and see how they operated. Um, you know, it was really um, informative and also sort of, you know, grateful to have that opportunity. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest things was just the, the aggressiveness with which the company operated um, on the sales front, on the marketing front, um, you know, and seeing that, um, you know, that the benefits to having a sales team that's sort of doesn't take no for an answer, um, is really pushing the envelope. Um, and so seeing that, and then also seeing how they use that sort of, um, aggressiveness to sort of position the company in a, a, a position of strength. Um, and as a company that, you know, um, is really going places. And so, so I've sort of learned how to, um, build that persona. Uh, and we built it really early on in link squares and it really helped us get our first you know, handful of early customers and early advisors and, and folks like that. Um, so, so that was one of the things that stood out to me that, that I really leveraged uh, my next time around. So let's, let's run with that because, you know, as you know, the point of this podcast is to focus on, you know, that post product market fit, usually around a million in ARR, where you go from you know, founders doing early selling, maybe an AE, to, okay, we need to scale this thing and actually build out our sales muscle and our marketing muscle. Um, it sounds like you saw an, a lot of theory and a lot of you know, tactics that you ca- have now carried forward into Link Square. So walk, walk me through, like walk us through some stories of what that looked like once you did have product market fit at Link Squares and how you've deployed some of those things that you learned at Backupify in actuality at Link Squares? Yeah, I think that um, there, there's a handful of, of things. Um, one is just the how you scale, uh, you know, structure and, and set up a team to scale. So, um, you know, one of the things that I we didn't really do, and, and it sort of goes back to, again, sort of a, a conservative approach, is we didn't really hire 
um, you know, any sort of junior folks. Um, it's part of our process to like transition and allow ourselves to, you know, focus on uh, different tasks. And so that was one of the things that we did at LinkSquares was, um, you know, brought on some employees, um, you know, probably earlier than it we thought, you know, that there was definitely an argument. You said you could hold off or wait longer, but we went ahead and, and brought some folks on, um, actually salespeople, which is kind of it, contrary in itself. Most folks would go hire engineers or other folks. We actually, you know, our first couple hires were sales folks. And, and that was because we sort of um, put the customer at the front. Um, and we said, like, if we can just focus on, you know, product market fit, figuring out who the buyer is and, you know, really getting that buyer profile down to exact details and then having some people that can help us sort of, you know, um, prospect and go out and find more of those because it's really, um, you know, in the early days, you're really looking for those like early adopter folks where you might be able to find someone that fits your profile, but they're just not an early adopter. They don't really, you know, get excited about those early stages. They want to see products that are more developed and more defined, but there are also people that really enjoy sort of the early stage of helping define and, and do that. So, so you're having to turn over more stones, as I would say, because, you know, the, um, you're, you're just going to have to find more people to find those early adopters kind of on the, um, what's the curve that I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm blanking on it. Uh, the, uh, crossing the chasm type curve, right. You're, you're, um, you know, you're trying to find that just first early group. And so, um, you know, those were kind of the things where we, um, we, we sort of pushed down that path and we were able to sort of form, uh, our first sort of reference customers, um, and our first advisors, to the company, which uh, one of our requirements to uh, be an advisor is that you also had to be a customer that used the product every day. Um, and so um, getting those first handful of folks that are really going to back you and reference you and, you know, use your, you can use their logo and, you know, use quotes and put them on a reference call. Those things were super important and really laid a strong foundation Um you know, so so it, it was really th- those were important pieces that we didn't really focus on the first time around. Um, but having sort of seen success and seeing what what really helped, um, you know, that was important to kind of focus in on that in the early days. How did you make the decision that the time was right to bring in those hires? I know you said you know it felt like you might have brought them in earlier than some would have but that you were happy with that decision. So how did that thought process go? Yeah, I think it's some, in some ways it's kind of a leap of faith um, because it, your, your instincts are probably telling you that it's too early. Um, but if you don't do that and take some of those leaps along the way, then you're really not going to give yourself a chance to go work on other things. So like, you know, just having some earlier folks in to, um, you know, help us prospect enabled me to go build relationships with the people that were sort of those, you know, early adopter types and really li- give time to listen and, and let them influence the product. And, and, you know, one of the other things that we did in the early days was 
we uh, refuse to sort of sit and pontificate over like products and product features. Um, we solely focus on hearing that from customers and then using the data we got from them to form the next um, features and decisions. Because I think in the early days, it's really easy to kind of sit there and be and say, you know what would be cool is if we did X or, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and you end up kind of, you end up kind of losing your North star, which is ultimately getting customers and getting people to use the product. Um, and so we sort of said no to a lot of those things and, um, you know, allowed those early hires, um, to, you know, help supplement our efforts to talk to more customers, you know, and that was kind of our North star was just talking to customers, um, as much as possible. And, um, so that helped accelerate that. And, you know, um, uh, they, they've actually, you know, been able to kind of scale with the company as well. So it was neat to, it's been neat to, um, you know, be able to work with them for as long as we have. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so now that you're in this scale phase where you're, you're trying to get as much repeatability and build out your orgs, I'm curious, like what is, what's your biggest challenge today? Um, you know, I think that it's definitely evolved, um, you know, in my, uh, you know, the founders roles have evolved, um, you know, and I think that's, you know, one of my takeaways is just, um, you know, sort of allowing the company to grow and morph and, you know, build momentum on its own. And, and sometimes that means getting out of the way. Sometimes that means taking on something that's going to be a real challenge. Um, sometimes that means doing something you really don't, you're not that excited about. Um, but just kind of knowing uh, where you can be most effective and, and um, you know, uh, how uh, we can get the team you know, in place to be able to be successful. So, so if I kind of had to think of the biggest challenge, it's really been, you know, finding the right people and, um, you know, getting them in the right seats on the bus to, to, you know, continue to grow. And uh, again, I kind of go back to spending time at Backupify. We were able to see, um, you know, sort of what, uh, how people performed in certain scenarios and, and then be able to call back on that, you know, at link squares and say like, okay, we know we need someone who's really good at process and organization of engineering teams. And um, to be able to say, okay, I know exactly someone who's, that's what they're an expert at, and then be able to go recruit them. And, um, you know, you can imagine that that's a, that's a, quite a challenge when you sort of back up and look at it from a bigger picture is identification of where your weaknesses are, um, which can be tough at times. Um, and then assessment of, you know, what you need from a person. And then you actually got to go recruit them, convince them to quit the awesome job that they have and join your, your, you know, growing company. Sure. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, that's, that's one of the many challenges, <laughs> you know, that we've, we've experienced. There's definitely no shortage, um, but um, it, it's, it's been rewarding too. So as we wind this down, um, 
I always love to ask, you know, we, we have folks in our lives professionally who have been hugely influential mentors or even peers who we just look up to and think they do great work out there. Who are those folks for you? Yeah. I mean, so, so many great ones to, um, you know, reflect, you know, in reflecting on and, and, um, you know, definitely sort of, um, you know, my first group of angel investors were, you know, some really awesome folks that, um, you know, sort of allowed me to believe that, you know, this is a career and a path that I could pursue successfully. Um, so that confidence was, you know, in the early stages was, was really important. And then, you know, um, the, uh, I knew a lot of the earlier folks at Backupify prior to actually joining the company. And, um, so, you know, being able to kind of see them have success, um, uh, Rob, Ben, Eric, a bunch of the early employees, um, and then the opportunity to actually work with them in the later years of the company, um, you know, was hugely uh, valuable and formative for me. Um, obviously, followed them up to Boston and saw the success they were having. And so um, that put me in a bigger market with a bigger opportunity and sort of put me in a good position for the next thing I did. Um, and then even at Link Squares, um, you know, our advisory board um, from folks at DraftKings and Carbonite and, um, you know, companies like that, um, you know, was really, you know, awesome to have them sort of backing us, especially in the earlier days when we, we weren't we didn't have anything, everything put together at the time. Um, but, you know, to continue to sort of, um, you know, be in our corner um, and help us along the way was, was really great. And, and they, you know, uh, you know, hopefully are enjoying some of the success that we've been having over the years. And, and uh, I'm sure it's been cool for them to kind of see it, see it come together. So. It's definitely a life cycle. It's it's uh, it's fun to see these things evolve and to bring people along for that journey. So, yeah. Chris, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. This was really really an enjoyable conversation. Thank you for having me.